السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار We start by praising Allah by glorifying him by thanking him and also seeking his help in all our affairs. We ask Allah to protect us from the evils of our own souls and from the wickedness of our own actions. Those whom Allah guides, nobody can mislead them, and those whom he leaves to stray, none can find for them guidance. I do bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah the One. And I further testify that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is Allah's final messenger to the whole of mankind. As you might know, the structure of the program is that we start off by introduction, we welcome you to the conference, and then the keynote speech is given. And that's scheduled, scheduled to be at 6.30, half past six, by Dr. Bilal Phillips. Let me start with a narration from Ibn Umar, radiallahu anhumah. He was once asked a question by some of his friends, colleagues, who said, did the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam ever laugh? Or did the companions ever laugh, enjoy themselves, have a good time, so to speak? Did they have, for example, uh, an idea of fun? Did they share smiles with each other? And the answer is very significant because that's how we want our conference to be by the grace of Allah, according to the answer. The answer was, yes, from Ibn Umar, yes, the companions did laugh, they did smile. But while faith in their hearts were larger than or stronger or bigger than mountains. So we would like to enjoy this conference. We are here to share our brotherhood, sisterhood, have good conduct, be patient, try to overlook, forgive each other, and experience a type of situation which lingers on for a very long time, perhaps permanently in our lives. The idea about the conference is that it's based on faith. 
faith-centered, so that we can become replenished with talk of iman, faith, or the creed, the aqidah, and clear our viewpoints about the Prophet ﷺ, even about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then find a good grasp, good handle on the realities of life as a Muslim. So we can enjoy each other's company, know that we have much more in common than to disagree about all the time, and then go out there and live our lives as Muslims, fulfilling all that Allah has made us responsible for, inshaAllah. Very often people, of course, they put up a good face in front of each other. However, sometimes while we are intelligent enough to behave well in front of people, however, we are dumb enough to not root out our sins in private. So then the second statement I'd like to bring from one of the past people, pious predecessor, is that he said, the loser is the one who shows the people his best deeds. May Allah protect us from doing only that, but shows his worst deeds to him who is nearer to him than his jugular vein. So sometimes it's easy to fake or pretend to be good Muslims, especially in a gathering like this, and we become artificially pious. And this conference is meant to make us wake up to the fact that if we have latent or any type or shade of hypocrisy in our hearts, it is really down to us to remove them by the help of Allah. Because on the Day of Judgment, when we face Him, and we are going to meet Him one-to-one -one as Muslims, and Allah will speak to us one-to-one, -one, and we will understand in a language which we understand, if we have hypocrisy, it will do us very bad service. We'll get caught out. It won't be embarrassing. It'll be much more worse than that. Anyway, the conference is titled Year 2000 or the millennium, something like that, the year 2000. And basically, it's not a big deal to us. The year 2000 means a lot to fundamentalist Christians, or people of Christian bent. And there are some, for example, in Israel, they're putting on special security measures and so forth, for these fundamentalist Christians, who even have, some of them, the idea, they have to purposefully cause havoc in society. They have to create turmoil to prepare for the coming of Christ. But that's the Christian connotation behind it. The millennium, the year 2000 celebration, so forth, either has pagan overtones and undertones, which has Christian, non-Islamic, shirk-infested ideas behind it, connotations. So to us, year 2000 is nothing special as such. But we do live in a country where people are going to celebrate, and many of us are half-baked about understanding what should be the correct Islamic attitude. And many of us, perhaps, will also participate in the year 2000, whatever will go on. To the extent, as you might know, that are amongst the non-Muslims, and we shouldn't be surprised if perhaps some Muslims are also caught up in this, Muslim youngsters, let's say, that they're going to try and get pregnant on that night so they conceive at the turn of the century something special about it, out of curiosity, out of fun, out of religious sentiment. So you can imagine the corruptness that will prevail in a permissive society where people are encouraged from culture to be pregnant on that night. It's something special to be conceiving on that night. And there will be perhaps Muslims who are like just participating in the fun of the fireworks display and so on. And we have to understand that in the end, we are returning to Allah. Allah has not left a gap in the faith for us to be confused about and be, you know, 
poor about in terms of knowing where to go. In the Quran, for example, a very simple ayah, and I can only talk about simple things. The scholars who, are, who have come, they will fill in the details and the in-depth understanding and all the technicalities. This is just an introdu- introduction. For example, in the Quran, we are told, "Ya ayyuhal insanu, ila rabbika O mankind, you are toiling on towards your Lord. You will meet him. You will definitely see him. This appointment, nobody can avoid. So if we know that we are going to be presenting our deeds and actions to Allah, so when we celebrate or become involved in any other culture, any other way of life, we have to take stock of how we are going to fare on that final day when everything is going to be exposed. Especially when we had no reason to remain ignorant. Because not only are we encouraged to seek knowledge, but we have everything as it were given on a plate. In detail, clear cut, simple, straightforward. And if things are complicated or a little bit confusing, clarification can always, always be sought from many brothers and sisters, especially scholars and their students, who are available to please Allah by passing on that information to mankind. Once Jibreel salam, Gabriel, peace be on him, came to the Prophet wasallam, and told him something very common, if you like, or obvious, which every Muslim knows. But that's where the strength of the hadith lies, the narration. It shows that even Muhammad wasallam, was reminded of this fact as a lesson to mankind. So we might note it down. And he was told, O Muhammad wasallam." Live as long as you wish, but one day you will face your death. Love whomsoever you wish, but one day you will have to leave him. Do whatever you like, one day you will have to account for your actions. Hadith in Abu Dawood. So this is the, the situation which we want to face, the reality. We can choose to ignore the reality and paddle about in shallow trifles, thinking things are going to be well at the end of the day. Or we can start becoming serious and developing the character of a good Muslim. And we're all learning, alhamdulillah. But at least learn to support each other, strengthen each other to be steadfast. So as the days come and go, we become better and better in front of Allah. They might not change, world might not change, or it might go down the drain. But we are continually coming closer to Allah. And the benefit of that will accrue not only to us, but to the whole society in which we live. Even the non-Muslims and animals will feel its benefit. Because we know the hadith, even how the ant in his hole and the fish in the depths of his sea prays for a true scholar. Because the creation benefits from a just person and only a Muslim truly knows how to be a just if he lives up to Islam. Another ayah in the Quran where it says, Ya ayyuhal insanu ma gharraka birabbikal kareem. O mankind, O people, what has misled you or tempted you away, deceived you, conned you away from your Lord most generous, Al-Kareem? How much more does he have to favor us for us to become grateful, grateful enough to at least fulfill the obligations? And that's the second benefit or beauty of this event, if you like, inshallah. Our modern, so-called modern lifestyles sometimes don't allow people to experience praying in groups and meeting Muslims and doing things which are obligatory upon us collectively. At least we hope, inshallah, we will, of course, stay up late and chit-chat and have fun, but we will also have the discipline for the sake of Allah 
to try and attend all the five prayers on time, whoever is leading them. But we are there in the prayer hall. That's a Stanford hall, inshallah. Once, it is mentioned that uh, Omar radiallahu anhu, he passed by some he passed by some uh, Christian monks. And you know, monks, they are people who have given up the world for the sake of the Lord or Christ or what have you, you know. Some delusion they suffer from, but they are very sacrificing people. Whatever falsehood they are following, they are depriving themselves of a lot of fun and enjoyment or normal things of life, wearing coarse clothes, eating simple food and not talking and all sorts of things. Anyway, so you see them striving to please their Lord, whatever the idea of their Lord. And so when Omar saw, saw these people, radiallahu anhu, he burst out crying, the old you know, aged man, grown up, adult. And he cried. And my, as you know, he was a very brave person. He was very strong in faith. And recommendations about him from the hadith are many, numerous. And why was he crying? And he recalled the ayah. He said, These people, they are toiling on, weary, tired, working themselves out. Depriving themselves, heading towards the fire. And that's how we should understand life, inshallah. Either we are people who are worshipping Allah according to how He wants us to worship Him, or trying, or we are people who are in the other camp, other side of the divide, the kafirun, disbelievers, non-Muslims. It's not a talk about hate and prejudice, it's talk about what's real. Allah has mentioned in the Quran, He has created you and of you some are believers, some are disbelievers. So as believers, we constitute one nation, one people. We have our differences. In fact, some of them are sometimes differences are very bad. It gets physical, but still. It's down to us to then understand that we are still one people. We are the slaves of Allah who have chosen to worship Him, inshallah. And most, if not all of us, have come to the deen without even wanting to be Muslim perhaps, Allah guided us. And something happened and then we awoke to the fact, oh, it's a good thing to be a Muslim. So Allah graced us, Allah chose us, Allah guided us. And we should remember that, we are Muslims. And those people, no matter how hard they work and how strongly they are striving and whatever they are achieving in whatever terms, either they are going towards paradise or they are going towards hellfire. Where is our striving taking us? Because some Muslims do work very hard. I know some Muslims personally who are alcoholics because they work so hard in the companies making millions and they have no peace at home. And they have to stay late at work and stress train and they've got this bottle of gin and tonic on their cabinet. Muslim. So we are working very hard. Many people are striving. Muslims. Where is our striving taking us? We must, we must ask. We must ask. So it is ignorance that makes us careless. It is our lack of knowledge, if you like, or as some of the companions have said, like Ibn Abbas, Ibn Amr, and so forth, it is shaitan in the end. Satan makes us, or tries to make us, to go off the right track, forget about our duty to Allah, and our duty to His creation, towards His creation, and then choose to be what we want to be, born of ignorance. And that lands us in misery, and deprives us of the blessings of Allah, and we become exposed to our enemies, and is there any Muslim who can convince me that the enemies have stopped working against Islam? Anybody in the crowd can advise me and say, yes, today the kuffar, not all of them, some of them, those of them who are doing this, have given up, taken a rest. Shaitan has sat down for a rest. 
against the rise of Islam or the brotherhood of Muslims and so forth? There's nobody sensible who will stick his hand up and say so. He doesn't want to make a fool of himself. That's fine in a crowd. We don't make fools of ourselves and we're making fools of ourselves all the time with each other. As we walk out, we'll do that. There are, Dr. Bilal, inshallah, in the, in the talk, will explain, inshallah, how, I, I hope, inshallah, I mean, that's part of the program, why the millennium celebrations and the event and all of this carries within it the seeds of, and they're manifesting, it's not just the seeds, some of them are sprouting, seeds of attacks on Islam in being increased. There are already people bringing out their new versions of the Quran, and it's on the internet. Something you can just tap into and just read about. They come up with this new book, supposed to be a challenge in the Quran about meeting it word for word, or verse for verse, or surah for surah. And they're taking it around the country, nationally, internationally, and challenging Muslims, saying, well, this is the Quran, do you have an answer against this one? And supposedly some Muslim so-called scholars have now conceded that this false creation is equal or better. Supposedly some Muslim scholars. Because they're quoting them, we can't trust them. But then they might have some people who are so ignorant supporting them in this adventure. The increased attacks will take place. And they are grouping themselves, organizing themselves, so that they can really serve their Lord, whom they call Jesus Christ, peace be on him to be pleased with them and sit with them on the right-hand side in the kingdom of heaven or something. And you have, of course, the need to understand, we have, to, we have, of course, to understand the need why in this current context, when there is clamdown going on quite overtly to suppress the Muslims doing their basic things, like supporting the cause of jihad. It's not about terrorism. It's not about blowing up bus stops and children in an airplane. It never has been, never can be. But for the true jihad, support must be there for every Muslim. And you can see, if you live in this country, you can see how things are unfolding one by one. When perhaps one day, even just to mention this, will be a criminal offense because you are deemed to be a threat to national security. So yes, we have to, be, we have to take caution. But you know, one day they might, it might happen that we are far more restricted in what we can say and do. Simple things, meaning well, for the people to support the oppressed, against the oppressors. But we can't. So time is good now. Maybe darker days are ahead. And they are planning darker days ahead for the millennium. And that's not a fanciful thinking, scaremongering, paranoia about some conspiracy theory. Because you know it is happening. You just go to the internet and do some searches on all these search engines that you have. 20, 30 of them now, I think. Allah has right. So what we have done in this conference, inshallah, is to divide up the, the event into two portions. You have the seminars taking place in parallel, three of them, and you have the core lectures. The core lectures are there because every Muslim we feel we need to share with this knowledge from what the speakers will say. To make us come on a platform where we can at least feel equal about the things that Allah has given us. One of those are about the rights, a whole series of talk about rights. Because at the end of the day, no matter how fanciful we are or how sophisticated we are in talking about Islam and its topics, if we haven't given Allah his rights, we have done great injustice. I can shout about the Khilafah, I can shout about Jihad, I can go and kill myself in a battlefield. If I haven't given Allah His rights, do we think those sloganing and that sacrifice on the battlefield will be useful? Will it be useful if I still have shirk? And I didn't really fight for the sake of Allah, but I had something else mixed up with it. Something else like nationalism, perhaps. 
So rights of Allah is a talk that will be done, inshallah. It's part of that common hadith which we all know about. Really the conference is development of that commonly known hadith where we are told, Ad-Deenul Nasiha. Religion is sincerity. To whom? Liman. To Allah, to his book, to his messenger, to the leaders of the Muslims and to the common folk. To Allah. One of the ayahs says, إِذَا نَسَحُوا لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ When they have been sincere to Allah. It's very important. We cannot maintain or uphold sincerity to Allah if we don't understand or want to understand how to perfect His, our, you know, His rights over us. Give the justice to that. So regarding this ayah, it says, There is no blame on those who are weak or ill or who find no resources to spend Context is jihad. And it doesn't have to be always in, in terms of fighting and arms and ammunition and so forth, although unqualified it does mean that. But jihad in a general sense, struggling in all sorts of ways and means, at least in this country, to propagate the faith. To live as Muslims, teach our children, and invite the non-Muslims to Islam. And that can often be done just by our beautiful character, if we have one. Beautiful character, nice representation. Not misplaying it, not overdoing things. So the scholars, when they talk, talked about this ayah, and, and, and they explained, they said, really, nasiha for Allah means five things. It's, it's highly summarized. I think this, the shaykhs will speak, and they will describe it in detail, inshallah. Five things. To be sincere in the beliefs. Sincere in the beliefs. There are many Muslims today, they are still unknowing or confused about what constitutes the proper creed of Islam. The six basic articles, alhamdulillah, we are all united upon that. That's what ties us together. We'll never, inshallah, separate. We will still hold hands and march forward because we share the six basic articles of the creed. No doubt. But down the line, other things are important as well. And there's no need to remain confused and argumentative about them. This evidence is very clear. Scholars are quite well spoken about them. Many books are available. So it's sincerity to Allah in belief in His oneness, at tawheed Affirming His names and attributes. There are many Muslims who are zealous about Allah, but they know very little about Allah's names and attributes, asma wa sifat. That's why we have a seminar on that. Uh, you know, it's going to be very short-lived, still skimming the surface, but it will be a good platform, a good springboard to develop interest and study from those seminars, we hope, inshallah. Thirdly, uh, praising Him, praising Allah against or from all His shortcomings. That includes me knowing, for example, say, Allah, may Allah forbid, I'm about to get sacked at job because I pray at work perhaps and they don't like it. The boss says, you know, I don't want you praying in the office or something. It does happen to many Muslims and they're afraid to pray and they bung it all together at the end. They come home at late night and they're praying all prayers together. They call it qaza or qadha. And we wonder, where is this practice from? But this comes about because maybe of pressure and weakness of faith, we can't face it. But supposing I'm getting sacked, may Allah forbid, from job. And then I become so desperate and I start thinking perhaps I need to now pander to the interest of my employer and start cutting corners about the fundamentals of the deen or the obligations of the deen. What have I done? What have I done here? Have I really praised Allah? Have I really upheld His greatness and represented my trust in His attributes and names that He provides and He looks after and He has control of everything? By that behavior? No, I haven't. That's where it fits in there as well. Praising him from all shortcomings. Seeking all that he loves, fourth point, and avoiding all that he hates. And that's a vast topic. Loving and hating for the sake of Allah. 
That's why you have perfected iman. So that goal is a never-ending goal till our deathbed, till we die, inshallah. We talk about the rights of the Qur'an. And there are some wonderful statements, hadith and so forth. Like this one is a very moving hadith. And it's very graphical. That's why we can relate to it perhaps much better than other more technical type of stuff. It says from Ibn Mas'ud anhuma that the Prophet said, meaning in English, in English, indeed, every host loves that people come to his table spread. Don't we? You invite your guests, you would like to serve dinner. That's the, the climax of the event. My guests have come, lay the table, kids fetch the, the stuff and come and eat. And you want them to enjoy the meal and have some more and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's natural. Unless we are wicked, abnormal. It's natural. Every indeed, indeed, every host loves that people comes to his table spread, to the invitation. And indeed, the table spread of Allah is the Qur'an. Allah has invited us to this handhold, trustworthy handhold, which, you know, which we can, if we never let go of it, we can be successful all the time. Never need to be miserable, even when you know, times are bad, things are low, and not smiling and looking up. Even then, we know deep down inside that we still have hope. We have the hope in His mercy. We have the hope of relief around the corner. We have hope of cleansing our sins. We have hope of paradise. We have hope of eventual destruction and you know, defeat of those who have chosen to resist Allah and His Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Victory is ensured. Maybe not in our lifetimes we pray for that. But victory for Islam is guaranteed, with or without us. So, we never need to lose heart. We are on the winning team, winning side. And a battle is a, a war is a series of battles. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. Final victory belongs to Islam, to Allah and His Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ibn Umar said, radiallahu anhumah, when the children of Israel began to have great expectations, their hearts became rusty. So we are very fortunate to be able to look back at previous nations and learn from the mistakes. And the Quran and Sunnah invite us towards that. To learn from the mistakes of the past nations. They were not given any less. Each prophet came, spoke clearly, and gave them a clear-cut message the only excuse they had for not adopting the faith properly was the wickedness of their hearts, which is not acceptable. So they began to have great expectations. Like many people today, they will not pull their weight. They will not pull up their socks and do what is necessary, what we have to do, need to do. They know what they need to do, but we will not. And we think, we, we think somehow things will work out. We are Muslims, Allah is loving, Allah is kind, that attitude. And we are not prepared even to sometimes, some of us, to pray five times a day. There are people, from my own, your experience, I don't know. Maybe you, are, you have much better or different experience. Better experience. I know brothers, a number of them. They are very dedicated to their working for Islam. Talking at colleges, schools, universities, organizing events, calling to the Khilafah, calling to Jihad, all sorts of things. Criticizing scholars, finding their mistakes, showing them up in public, saying, look at Sheikh so-and-so, he's wrong, because he can't even speak Arabic, and he's speaking of a scholar, 60 years old, you know, who's memorized the Quran and served humanity for 40 years. And they don't pray. One event, they were talking about establishing unity between two countries, in Regent's Park Mosque, I was there. And brother gave a talk about jihad, a fiery speech. Adhan was given in the mosque, half the people stayed downstairs, didn't pray. 
Just stayed there. And they talked about Islam and our miserable situation. Maybe you don't come across such ridiculous, absurd experiences. But they are, they exist. You know, people come on the platform and say, what's prayer going to do for you? We have to get together, unite. Well, not to do what? All together go to hell? I mean, well, what, unite for what? When the children of Israel began to have great expectations, their hearts became rusty. We expect a lot. We are not prepared to put in our pennies worth. And they invented an agreeable book for themselves. That's how Islam has become easy for people. Not because of faith, which makes Islam easy, but because they mold it according to how they want it to be. And thus you have so many modernist type Muslims giving excuse for Islam and not doing what is fundamental. And it breaks you. It hurts you. They all say we are Muslims and we want Islam to be great. And you can see them compromising like anything. And who does it benefit in the end? All these channel fours and radio, whatever you have. They will have ready-made people willing to come and get on the same platform with non-Muslims, compromising their faith and, and presenting it as a neat package for a one-world vision of some type of humanity which is godless and secular. So the truth became a bone of contention between them and the desires and they ended up neglecting the book of Allah. So this is what we don't want to happen. That's why the rights of Quran is being discussed in this conference. It's very important. We all accept the Quran, but sometimes we don't do justice to it. What about the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Really means the sunnah. Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or the sunnah. I'm not going to elaborate too much on that. Just a few points. We need to realize that he was a favor to us. A gift, a manna. In Ali Imran, we are told that in verse 164. Allah did a great favor, a benefit, a gift. When he sent from amongst them a person, from amongst themselves. It is a gift. How many of us accept the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as a gift? It's a favor. Imagine spurning the favor of Allah, jilting the gift of Allah, and then still expecting the blessings to come about, and wondering why things are going wrong. In the Quran we are taught, the Messenger وسلم, freed us from all sorts of bonds and fetters, shackles, invented stuff that people put on themselves, an extra burden. He freed us from that. It's really talking about the extremeness of the Jews, from which, of course, the Christians went the other extreme. Of course, no laws at all. They were creaking and groaning under the yoke of the law. So they, these people came along, threw away Christ's teaching behind their backs, and said, okay, we'll do without a law completely. That's it. One extreme to another extreme. And who is supposed to be now representing the middle path? Of course, Muslims. Al-Baqarah, verse 143. The Muslims. See, if we are not able to copy that middle path by emulating the sunnah, trying to learn and adopt that, and asking Allah to help us to follow the sunnah, understand, proclaim, revive, teach, how are we going to be the middle nation? Just by talking and claiming? Every one of us can claim we are the middle nation, and they are extreme and they are extreme. But how many of us truly try to follow the sunnah properly and support each other properly? And that's not just about you know, wearing a thobe or growing the beard. A lot of character aspects come into it how to speak and how to treat each other and how to not expose someone's fault and so forth. How to advise even. We want to advise someone, don't advise at the same time as exposing him to the public. 
And that goes on a lot. So it's not just about the beard and the fur, but other things as well. But the sunnah in general. Middle path. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam restored a lot of forgotten truth. The Christians forgot a large part, or a, a, a bulk of the teachings. We are told al-ma'idah in the, in the Quran. Where he talks about how the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam didn't come with anything strange or fanciful or newfangled that we can't relate to. Something very down to earth in the sense that we can relate to it, it's natural. We can tune ourselves to it without having to exert and, you know, as if shoehorning ourselves in. And like this, his universal call, his being mercy to creation, and all these kind of things. So this is the, the, the aspect of why we have the talk about the rights of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We all accept him, no doubt, but sometimes we still fail, sometimes miserably, in according him his rights. And regarding Muslims, about each other, ourselves, we have a talk on that as well, non-Muslims. You know, it is part of faith, as you know, to love or try to love at least. You know, we, we try to love and we will inshallah achieve it one day. To try and love for one another what we love for ourselves. Which is very significant because it's more practical than what supposedly the, the, the New Testament teaches, the Christian teaching. You know, nobody really believes until he gives his brother what he likes given to himself. Well, I would like to be given a lot of money. I can't give it to you so I become a hypocrite. It's impractical. But to love for someone, that's the key. Then we can then try to please each other. So this is part of our faith, which means the counter, the, the other side of the coin is just as true, which is, it is part of faith, as one of the sheikhs said, to hate for his believing brother what he hates for himself. And that balances it up. I would love to be shown the doors of goodness. I would really love to be shown when I am foolishly making some mistake. If I'm deliberately doing it, I might get put off by the person stopping me. I'm a sinful guy. That's different. Even then, reminding might benefit. But if I'm foolishly doing something, unknowingly doing something wrong, I would love to be corrected. Why not? Much talk about that. One of the scholars, Imam Nawawi, at least he explained, and I underlined that in red, highlighted in red, because it's something appealing. We need to soak that up in our character. But when Imam al-Nawawi spoke about, explained the hadith about nasiha to Muslims and so on, he mentioned using the best and most lenient methods. Lenient methods. You will find sometimes we are the most harsh towards each other and most lenient towards non-Muslims. We're not saying give that up. It's good to be lenient to non-Muslims. We need to charm them and win their hearts over. But why are we harsh towards each other in contradiction to what the Quran teaches about us? True enemies of Allah sometimes we fail to recognize and we, we sometimes say they have a point. They have no point. You give me one example. One example. It's not supposed to be a political talk. I was warned about making it political. But you give me one example in history where the non-Muslims from a governmental level have supported the cause of Islam through anything. Anything, any pact, any trade. Anything. Give me one example where they have supported Islam or the Muslims. And right in front of our eyes, we have seen the bombing of Kosovo. You think that was something to support the Muslims against the Serbians? You really think so? It has never been in history, ever. The Messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, O you who believe, O you who believe with your tongues, yet faith has not yet entered your hearts. O you believe, with your tongues, but faith has not yet entered your hearts. 
do not backbite the Muslims. Nor follow their faults. And this is a fashion today. Perhaps 90% of the people sitting here are saying, saying, what's he talking about? 10% whom are sitting there, they will know what I'm talking about because they have experienced it. And perhaps they take part in it. They will know. Do not backbite the Muslims, nor follow their faults. For he who follows others' faults, then Allah will declare his faults. And he whom Allah reveals his faults, then Allah disgraces him in his own house. Hadith in Abu Dawood. Today now, a person, Allah will guide him to Islam. He'll discover its sweetness, its power, its promises. And after a few days, when he's still a child and still learning, he will become the one to criticize his teacher. Even an elder brother is a teacher. And you think that maybe that is something strange. And there are people today who have never met the teachers of teachers, the masters of our teachers, big scholars scattered throughout the Muslim world. They have never set foot in this country, haven't read a single book of theirs, but their name is maligned and defamed because we have categorized them into this group and that group and named them this way and that way. That's the way we are hurtling forward in the name of Islam. People learning Islam and becoming criticizers of scholars without learning to read Quran themselves. There are people who can't recite Al-Fatiha. They can't recite Al-Fatiha. They don't know how to do wudu properly. And they're picking faults on, should Ibn Baz have said that? Is Ibn Uthaymin slightly this? Abdullah al-Khalik, is he, is he a sururi or is he a salafi? You might not know what I'm talking about. Some of you do know very well. What are these terms? What are these? He's jihad, is he takfiri, is he ikhwan, is he tabligi? What is that? When have we become judges? Who made us judges? Who made us spokesmen for anything? Are we supposed to be people trying to learn and follow? As students, how are we going to learn as students when we are always there sitting and giggling at the back row, as it were, in our maths lesson, laughing at the maths teacher? That's what is the, the, the relevance, that's how the similarity is. We sit in a class and we are picking force with the teacher. Big nose, ah, hasn't got a funny hat on. And we think we're going to learn our maths, we're going to pass our GCSE like that? No. But we think we're going to come close to Allah and win paradise by adopting same measures against the best of people on earth, the scholars. On Muslims, well, as Imam Nawawi said, the Muslim loves for a non-Muslim what he loves for himself, that is to accept Islam. And this genuine concern for the welfare of non-Muslims, we have to engender and foster in our lives, inshallah. I'm waiting for the speaker to arrive in our 10 minutes. We have to foster, because there are many of us who are overly critical. We criticize the wrongdoing, and we should know who the enemies are. We should be aware of them, and even when it's necessary, fend off the attacks. But the majority of the people, they need to be informed of the truth, and we are messing it up. We are dirtying the water before they can drink from it. We're going and paddling about and throwing all the muck up, and then we're saying, oh, the non-Muslim, he doesn't want to come to Islam. He's seen the muck. He's seen what we are doing in there. That's why they don't come to the waterhole to drink. So this is a true Muslim. He would love that every single people and person in Britain is a Muslim. Not by slogan and putting up a sticker saying, you know, we're going to come and get you. This is not from the deen. One of the most tragic developments of our rise of Islamic awareness is that we are going around vandalizing, throwing graffiti everywhere and calling that Islamic awakening. We disturb the peace and we throw up, you know, something on a public lamppost or something, you know, block out a red light saying some Islamic conference taking place. And we think that is Islam awakening. No, it's completely nothing to do with Islam. 
absolutely nothing to do with Islam, making it bad for the people. It is obligatory upon us, as the scholars have said, for us to try and project the best image possible. At least don't make things worse by giving a mis- presenting a misunderstanding, encouraging misunderstanding, providing a false image. That is why it is permissible in Islam to pray for the non-Muslims that they are guided to Islam. We should have that kind of awareness and feeling, inshallah. Our neighbors, for example, our schoolmates, college friends, and people at work, colleagues, and so forth. Anyway. Knowledge. There will be a talk about knowledge, inshallah ta'ala. I just want to mention one, one point about it. That if we are not going to do our part, we cannot expect Allah to do His part for us. It is a two-way thing. We fulfill our part of the end of the bargain. We fulfill our part of the contract, agreement with Allah. Allah will fulfill. He will keep His word. He does keep His word. We are the ones who fail. And there are so many ayats like that. What is that saying? Remember me and I will remember you. When we are sinning and not following Islam properly, that's when we are not remembering Him. Then things go wrong or we are punished for our sins and we say, oh, why is this happening? Well, not to them. They are worse than us. No. We knew better. We are supposed to be Muslims. We claimed Allah is our Lord. Yet we behave like the Christian. What do we expect? Oh, you who believe, if you help Allah, Allah will help you. Help Allah, help Allah's deen. Whatever is fitting under the circumstances. In Kashmir, we support the Mujahideen. In Dagestan, in Chechnya, we support the Mujahideen. In Kosovo, it's hard to support Mujahideen, to find them, but there are some that we support them, we should do. At least pray for them. And if that makes you a terrorist, never mind. We know in our hearts we are Muslims, we are kind to Allah's creation. And we will offer justice, inshallah. But in other contexts, like perhaps in Britain, we offer education. We maybe, maybe do school trips. We go on in sixth form assembly, talk to the assembly about Islam, something basic, fundamental. Clear up the confusion about Muslims' belief in God. But we must do this. If you help Allah, Allah will help you. Let us not imagine we are going to be successful and we are going to be doing well on handouts. If we come begging to the kafirun, don't expect the kafirun to be charmed because you talk well. And it's a great tragedy that we ourselves cannot move unless we are given stuff by those who are supposed to be conning us out of our wealth, exploiting our nations and so forth. The very people who make us beggars and put us in the debt poverty trap, they're the very people we turn to for further aid, financial help, to get sink more into poverty. Many, many ayahs like that. Day of judgment. There is a talk about signs before the day of judgment. And people in the past, companions, they would, they would sometimes come and ask each other. Something happens, it's a red storm blew. And once it had happened, and they came to Ibn Mas'ud and asked him, is this the coming of the hour? Because they saw something happening, like a sign before the day of judgment. We, shall, we, shall, we have to be aware, as, as Ibn Abbas said, from the Prophet wasallam, there are two blessings that many people have, but they lose. Inshallah, we all have these two blessings, barring a very few. There are two blessings that many people have, they lose, they lose it. They have it, the blessing, they lose it. What are they? Health and free time. 
significant wealth wasn't mentioned. We have health, we have a sane mind, we can consider, we can think rationally in light of Islam, we can be intelligent about how we are moving about. We have time. So much time we employ doing things which are of no benefit whatsoever. Of course we have fun, we have a little light-hearted you know, flim-flam here and there. There are two, two blessings. Muhammad We're supposed to have games and fun and then. Many people lose. But what about the vast we hope we are bulk of time that we, are, we have at our disposal? Nothing remains. Nothing, nothing at, at all. Health. Sweet. Nothing. When we become infirm or old or stricken we expect by some disease, we do it for us. And we find that and they time. do not. We the become busy. Do not relent. Perhaps we have They're bigger families. Ones. We have we to be more busy with the family and earning hardworking people. Making our both so dedicated, so loyal to the leadership. Now and we they are so sacrificing. At least to learn, to know. By definition, godless people. Blessings of Islam. That's something to be talked about in, uh, on Sunday, inshallah. That no one can be given a, big, a better gift than the gift of patience. And patience is all about, our sabr is all about following Islam. Patience is really about sticking to the truth under all circumstances, uncompromisingly. So we do what is correct. That is being patient. Under this situation, what am I, how am I supposed to behave? Well, this is what Allah says, what the Rasul says, this is how we're going to behave, inshallah. That is being patient. It's not just about gritting the teeth and bearing pain. Oh, he slapped me and I didn't cry out. I was patient. No. That's a very kind of superficial understanding. So and be patient, wasbiru sabirin, as the ayah says. Be patient, Allah is with the patient people. It means be Muslims, count the blessings and stick to Islam. Do your best. Let us try and support each other. Allah will going to support us in turn. He will assist us, inshaAllah. Anas reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sorry to just interrupt the speech, can I just ask one brother to find out where this speaker is because he should be here by now half past six inshallah Anas reports anhu, that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said the faith of Allah's servant will not be upright will not be correct or straight until his heart is upright his faith is not going to be upright until his heart is upright and his heart will not be upright until his tongue is upright he speaks truthfully. If he doesn't know the truth, he keeps quiet. It is a great sin, one of the worst sins, the worst level of shirk, as Ibn Qayyim puts it, to speak about Islam without knowledge. What's in front of us, we say. What I don't know, throw your hands up. Allah, Allah knows best. I don't know. That is from knowledge. As Ibn Umar said, رضي الله And Imam Malik said so many times, I don't know. So that's, that's it. This is the hadith. There are... And the faith is not going to be upright until the heart is upright. Our hearts are not going to be shining with faith and clean, upright, until we speak truthfully. Let's stop pretending. Let's stop being pretentious. Let's not like, you know, put on a show as it were. Posturing. I am this, I am that, and I'm with this sheikh, and I went and sat with it. Are we scholars or are we students? Or are we rubbish? The riffraff. Inshallah, we are not the riffraff, as Ali, Ali who talked about people in three categories. Either you are a scholar, you are a student of knowledge, or you are just riffraff. We are not riffraff. We are not vagabonds and ragamuffins. We are, inshallah, students of knowledge. Very few are scholars. Let's stop pretending to be scholars. Let's, be, let's have that humility, and let's not get involved in the differences and arguments of scholars and try to champion one or the other. Learn the basics, be useful according to our capabilities. 
Whatever Allah has enabled me to do, let me do that well at least. Why not? I, when I want to hand in my project, project work, I do my best to tart it up. You know, put a glossy cover if I can, neatly spaced out, properly typed, no typos. I really present my coursework properly, don't I? And when we want to do things for Allah, it has to be slipshod. It has to be half-baked and flimsy. So inshallah ta'ala, the faith is not going to be upright until the heart is upright. Heart won't be upright until the tongue is upright. Let us learn to speak as according to faith or withhold our tongues if we believe in Allah or the last days, one hadith says. Anyway, I have to draw my talk to a close. There are some points I don't want to carry on and on. It gets a bit overbearing on, it just drags on, it gets boring as well. In the end, the teachers are not myself. I'm just the host who are being supported by a lot of brothers and sisters. I must mention at the beginning of the conference and at the end, the awesome support that by the grace of Allah I'm receiving from Leicester. Leicester brothers have always supported in cooking for 2,000 odd people. They're here today. 2,000 odd have registered today. And they do the cooking for all three days and nights and all the meals, everything, just five or six people, 24 hours around the clock. You know, and the father is in hospital dying, as these doctors are saying. Just pray for him, inshallah. Sheikh Mubarak Waraish, who is the head of the big clan here, he's in hospital intensive care. So the awesome support in this situation, and all the brothers from registration to everything that they're doing, everything, even brothers running around with their waters and so forth. And of course, we have to thank you for coming and being patient. No doubt, I have no doubt, because I've had already five, ten complaints from irate people waiting five hours, not being able to get into rooms and stuff, or two hours, my rooms are messed up in, in the registration and so forth. So I know people have been patient. But at the end of the day, we'll be worth it, inshallah. You will see we're just like yourselves. We are just one, one group of people, one nice, happy bunch, inshallah, if you like, family, just doing our best to please each other for the sake of Allah, giving an accommodation to the scholars or teachers or students of knowledge to pass on some information about the deen. So I thank you all of you for coming and being patient and listening. Please point out our mistakes, but please also be courteous about our faults as well. Later on in the, uh, in the, in the night, we're going to put up some displays and stuff which will be available. And I hope speakers are... I'm going to stop now, inshallah, and then we will accommodate Dr. Bilal Phillips to start the main talk, inshallah. Five minutes break to get the people a breather. We will break for five minutes, inshallah, and speaker is here, and we will start the talk five minutes later. Please come back on time. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa.